Welcome back into another Bearcat Rewind as we're getting set for the NCAA Division II football playoffs getting started this weekend. Northwest Missouri State on the road in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, taking on Washita Baptist. That is the basically the 4-5 matchup here in the Super Region 3. And we're talking with Wayne Cavati. He writes for Turner Sports on NCAA.com. Wayne, always great to talk with you. It's about this time of year. I feel like we always circle back and discuss a little playoff football, then maybe some playoff basketball or tournament basketball down the road in March. But how are things on your end? Is this a pretty insane time right now with so many postseasons crossing over? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's quite the trip. And it, as you mentioned, you know, the, the Bearcats always seem to be in the mix and multiple sports so i feel like we always get to talk which i have no problem with so i'm glad i'm back to <laughs> for another conversation with you and of course so we've recorded a few of these now random weeknights after dark you you're doing your day job and then taking time for us after that too so we really appreciate your time and letting us twist your arm to get you on bearcat rewind with us um 18 straight years, Northwest Missouri State in the NCAA Division II playoffs. This was one, too, that all the rumblings we were hearing was, man, beat Emporia State in Week 11, Bearcats still might not be in. What was your take kind of going into How did you expect things to kind of play out? Uh, I mean, it's right. you're right. And, you know, I started covering D2 football really in, in 2016. That's really when I became fully engulfed in it. And I don't remember a time that, it came down to the last game of the season for the Bearcats, you know, like sure they've had a six seed every now and then, but you knew they were in and they, they really did. They needed, um, they needed somehow, well, the first thing they needed to do is take care of their own business, right. And control their own destiny, which they did in a, in a huge matchup against, um, Emporia state. And then, you know, UND and Truman state and, and Davenport were the teams they, that needed to lose. And, and you know, I'm kind of surprised Davenport was still able to sneak in after the, the back-to-back losses to Ferris State and Grand Valley State. But, of course, that's Ferris State and Grand Valley State. Um, so what, once Davenport lost, I thought that was the, the entrance for the Bearcats. So I thought they were they were getting in at that point. But it turned out that Davenport still got, got in um, over Truman, which was kind of, uh, kind of the way that I was seeing how things were going to go down. But, yeah, it was really interesting to see a Bearcats team really have to fight for that last game of the season to – not you know, not secure seating, but to to make sure they kept that streak alive. Well, so as we were leaving Emporia, we turned on the Washtaw Baptist broadcast to hear them playing Henderson State because that was one of the dominoes. Boy, Henderson might sneak in and take Northwest's yeah. bid if they get this upset win in a rivalry game. So we were listening intently to that, thinking you need Washtaw to win. But then, as we see in uh, you know so many random sports, kind of around professional calls, or whatever. A team beats a team to let another team into the postseason, and then it was, oh, now we got to face the team that we were the ones that got them in? And a lot of times that can kind of bite you in the backside. Washita now going to host Northwest Missouri State. Kind of an interesting matchup to see these two coming together for the first time ever. Yeah, and, and you know, the thing is, you know, I, I came out with my preview today, and, and you know, I whenever I do my previews and predictions for any of the D2 championships, I always do the team to watch, the team to beat and the team to watch. And the team to watch for me this year is the Bearcats because um, they do have that. They've shown in the past against a Harding, for example, that when they go and face these run first, uh, run heavy offenses, which Washington Baptist is, is clearly is, they have the, the secret, in, you know, well, it's, it's, it's coach, right? <laughs> the secret weapon to, uh, to shut down these heavy run teams and, and they don't do well against the Bearcats. And, you know, and, and 
yeah, it wasn't the same old Bearcats uh, football that we saw this year, but that defense is still really good, especially against the run. And I think this is really one of the, like, not just not just Super Region 3, but all over the bracket, I think this is one of the really, really intriguing matches in the first round. And, and I think it's primarily because T.J. Cole, who is obviously one of the best running backs in all of D2, and it's just, He's, this guy's so good. He's, he's thrown two touchdown passes over the past two weeks. Like he, he is just a dynamic player, uh, but you're going against one of the best run defenses over the last, what, five years, you know, six years, whatever it is. So um, I think it's really going to be one of the best matchups in, in the entire first round. It's a fun one to look from our perspective. I know that Coach Wright and Coach Bostwick, that defensive staff, are kind of pulling their hair out and stressing right now over getting themselves ready to face T.J. Cole. But, boy, we go back over the years and shutting down uh, Danny Woodhead and Shadron State. We've seen Harding over the last few years with that uh, dynamic option attack and the Bearcats just kind of seem like all these different styles and different teams come at them. They, they still find a way defensively to fend them off. Uh, when you think about the Bearcats going down to play, face Washita, which is an undefeated team, they've been great all season long, but you avoid a first-round rematch with Pittsburgh State, who is obviously very potent. You're not going up to Ferris State here in the first round to start things off. The Bearcats have been to Ferris the last, what, two, three years in a row. Yeah. Is this kind of a favorable matchup? They're all good teams, but kind of better maybe to start out there as opposed to some of these other options? Yeah, I think that... I don't. I don't know the favorable, right? It's the right <laughs> word. Like you said, it's like they're eleven and zero. Um, but it is. I agree with you. It's the matchup that they wanted in this round, right? They don't. They haven't had much luck against Ferris State, but I mean, to be fair, nobody has uh, the, the past three years or so, whatever it is. And you know, you kind of the the the, the in conference matchup, whatever part of the bracket you're in, that in conference matchup in the first round is it's a double-edged sword, right? It could be a huge advantage or it could be a disadvantage because, you know, these teams, especially Pittsburgh State and Northwest Missouri State, they know each other so well. You know the strengths. You know the weaknesses. And, I mean, when you when you have a chess match like that, it, that comes down to one mistake. Here, like you said, it, it's a first-time matchup. Um, it's a matchup that, historically speaking, the, the Northwest defense handles, right? It's that run heavy, crazy, um, run at you, uh, defense, uh, I'm sorry, offense that the Bearcats have shown they can handle it in the postseason. So yeah, I think, um, not having to face uh, their nemesis in the playoffs where their, their season ended the last three years and not having to face an MIAA team in the first round is certainly advantage. But, um, of course, if you, if you come out of that win, I mean, you're, you're looking at the best team in the country and that's, Obviously not advantageous for anybody right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll worry about next week when that one comes around. <laughs> right, right. As Grand Valley State waiting in the wings, the NCAA Division II playoffs start this weekend. Kind of touched on it at the start about coming down to the wire for Northwest. A season ago, it was Nebraska Kearney getting shipped off to a different region, Northwest and Washburn both getting in from the MIAA as well. We didn't see any of that shifting of regions, at least within Super Region 3, which there was some talk about maybe Northwest could jump to a different region. Uh, did you expect any of that? Did this play out kind of how you expected? Yeah, you know, I mean, there, there were, there were, like you said, there were some rumblings about people going here, people going there. But um, the more and more the way it looked, you know, as, as the play went down and, and went through, there was really, right, if you move one team, that, that obviously, that this isn't rocket scientists. You have to move another team. So there were a couple instances where, like Northwest going somewhere else, 
made sense, but there wasn't that other, well, where's the other team going to go, right? And, and there was a couple of those instances that it just didn't, you know, as you mentioned last year, it worked twice. This year, it just it just didn't seem like that. And as I was watching those games unfold on Saturday and looking at the regional rankings and plugging in the teams that I thought were going to go, it really didn't seem like that the options were there because there weren't teams that were close enough to make those two switches work. So, yeah, it kind of played out. Um, like I said, it, it, the teams that are there, there are definitely a few question marks in other parts of the bracket. But, you know, the, the way that it played out with the teams that did make it that are the 28 teams here, it made sense that there was not going to be any of that um, jumping from uh, re- super region to super region this year like last year, which, you know, they changed that role. And it was kind of cool to see that, I thought, last year, right, to see um, – Nebraska, Carney, I think it was Western Colorado they went to, you know, just mm-hmm. like someone completely off the radar um, that, they, that they're not used to going to or playing, especially for MIAA teams that don't get to play because their conference is so big, they don't get to play those uh, out of, never mind out of, re- uh, out of conference games, but out of region games. So I thought that was a cool aspect, but it just didn't work out this year. Now, folks want to see your predictions, they can head to NCAA.com, go to the D2 football page and um, – Wayne went through and kind of predicted how he expects the entire bracket to fall, which you picked Grand Valley State, the number one team in the country to win it all, so we're not going to knock you for that. We understand. But outside of Super Region 3, are you convinced that Angelo State is the best team outside of this particular region? You know, it's tough because I – okay, let me answer your question there. I think it's Angelo State or Colorado School of Mines who will be playing each other if everything goes – you know, if if it winds up one versus two – the way a bracket should go by rankings, then it's one of those two teams. And, you know, uh, Colorado School of Mines, they started the season 0-2, but it was against Grand Valley State and then Angelo State, right? And um, I just think, uh, man, the Mines are on fire, but you looked at Angelo State and the way they hung on and beat the Mines um, offense that first time. Did they play, you know, they played the second week of the season. Um, I just think, you know, if you're asking me, I, I do give the slight edge to Angelo State, but I do think that they're really more, you know, I think Grand Valley State is, is number one. And I, I really, right now, in the way that the tournament um, has unfolded and the way the bracket has unfolded, I should say, I think they're more like the 2A and 2B. Like, they're that close to each other. And I really hope for viewing pleasure and, you know, for our for our fun that we do get that Angelo State-Colorado School of Mines rematch. It will be three times in a calendar year. And I think it will really, you know, I think whoever comes out of that game is probably the the team that, uh, you know, it is a team to beat for sure. There could be an awful lot of fun rematches from conferences or just a couple teams on collision courses we kind of go throughout and watch this uh, playoff play out over the next few weeks. Also have the men's college basketball season up and running. Of course, you were at the Small College Basketball Hall of Fame Classic in Lakeland, Florida just a couple weeks ago. You got to see Northwest go 2-0 and down there since they picked up a couple more wins just the previous weekend in St. Joseph. What are your early thoughts on Bearcat men's basketball without Trevor Hudgens suiting up? We want to take a moment to remind you that Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash foundation. And Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clorindahealth.com. Now back to our interview with Wayne Cavati. 
I mean, it's it's just amazing. I, I don't, you know, what else do you say at this point, right? You lose, just you lose Pitts, you lose uh, Joey Buckets, you lose Ryan Hawkins, you lose Trevor Hudgens, and and you know, Hudgens is obviously we've spoken many times about Hudgens. He's just one of the best ever to play D two men's basketball, and you know, you're sitting there, and West Dreamer goes down, what was it, eight minutes into the game, and you're just like, okay, this day they can't do this. It's West Texas A&M. It's one of the best teams in the country. And they never lost their composure. I mean, you know, they, they just they stayed in it the whole time, and they won. Um, and I just think, you know, it's, it's, it's such a deep team that the next man up mentality just seems to always work, even though I say it's a deep team, and, and you know that, you know, Coach Mack doesn't always run all 11 guys. But the talent is so deep that when someone needs to come in, they, they're just ready to go, and they're, and they're so good. And it was just really remarkable to see, especially against a West Texas A&M team, that, you know, they have those guards. They're fast team. They're quick. They come right at you. They have no fear. And, you know, you, you come into the game already, like, you had so many returners, it's hard to say that you're searching for a new identity. But when Trevor Hudgens is gone, I mean, you are a little bit searching for a new identity. And then part, a big part of that identity is going to run the offense through West Dreamer, and then he goes down. And, you know, obviously there was a few minutes there that you, you're, you're finding your way, but you really didn't skip a beat. And I just think that speaks volumes to, to Coach McCollum. I think he's uh, an unbelievable – I mean, he, he's a brilliant genius of, in coaching. And, you know, and, and Diego Bernard, just he's, the, he's that leader. You know, he, he may not be the best scorer on the team, but he's just what he does to that team to fire them up and keep them together. He's just such a, a glue guy and obviously one of the best defenders I've ever seen play. I think Bearcat fans have to appreciate what you bring time and time again, Wayne, because nobody else is going to drop Joey buckets on this podcast, but you brought it out. <laughs> and I appreciate that because you can't forget about Wittis on this team a few years back in 2019. But yeah. to go along with that, this is a team that, yeah, kind of looking at who's going to score without Trevor here. There's, there are pieces all over the floor, but, I mean, Trevor was that guy that, boy, you need a big bucket. You think back to the national championship game against Augusta, and he just kind of took the game over by himself. Maybe it's going to be West Dreamer. You mentioned West goes down. Against West Texas A&M, they had the lead. Then it's 36-36 at halftime. Without West on the floor, they outscored West Texas by 16 points in the second half, and a lot of that coming from true freshman Bennett Sturtz out there, Mitch Mascari. I mean, it's hard to wrap your mind around all the different things happening. And then in game two, Isaiah Jackson goes off and goes for a career-high 26 points, yeah. lights it up from beyond the arc. So I don't know. I think you know John Coffey and I have had this discussion off the air plenty of like, all right, I think this is Coach Mack's best coaching job. But then the next year he's like, no, this is a little bit better. Is this is this going to be the best? I mean, we're four games in, but we hate to. I mean, he's he's going to have to work really hard. You know, whenever I've gotten to interview Coach McCollum quite a bit over the years, and he's always referred to you know guys like Ryan Hawkins and Trevor Hudgens, guys that made his job easy, and it's never been easy for him. You know, he just makes it look so easy. But he he's joking aside, like this, he's going to really have to figure out things and plug in the right pieces and, and really do things a little bit differently than. He's had to in the past because he can't just rely on, all right, Diego, take over the game defensively, Trevor, and run the floor. You know, like, it's going to have to th – and, you know, you mentioned two guys that really impressed me. One was, was Sturtz. I mean, a freshman coming into that situation, I don't know what the expectations were as far as playing time and being a scorer, but 
in that first game against West Texas A&M, he looked like he, he was a seasoned veteran, right? He came on the floor, and he had double-digit points. He was passing the ball really well. He made some nice defensive plays and rebounds. And, and Mitch Miscarry was, was shooting the ball so well. Um, I was really impressed by the way he was shooting the ball, that he seems like a guy that, you know, obviously it's early in the season, but if you need a, a big shot, he was shooting it that well, that, that it looked like he could be that guy that could, that could take that shot. Um, but as you said, the next night it's Isaiah Jackson's turn, and that's what I would back to the uh, the talent, the depth of talent they have on this team. That um, there are going to be guys that have big nights. You know, there's going to be that kind of that rotation of nights. But it seems like they have quite a few guys that that could that could be that guy. And then of course you always have Luke Waters, who's who's just a nice one of those hybrid presences that uh, Northwest always seems to have that can play in and out. Yeah, Luke, that West Texas A&M, then the very next night turned around 17 points back-to-back to start things off, Flagler and West Texas A&M. So, and I feel like Luke always does it kind of very quietly under the radar. Very but quietly. I agree. <laughs> would you pencil Northwest in for a 10th straight MIAA regular season title? Yeah, yeah. I, I pencil them in to, to make it to the uh, – I mean, if you know, in my preseason Power 10 rankings on NCAA.com, they were number one. I mean, they're just – there's too much returning talent. There's, you're returning arguably the best coach in the history of D2 men's basketball. Uh, I mean, uh, I just they, they are the defending national champion three times for a reason, and they are the national champion favorite this year until proven otherwise. I mean, you know, you look back to last year, what did they, what did they fall to number 10 in the country, right, heading into the tournament because they had a whopping five losses and, and the sky was falling and, that quickly changed once uh, March got here. So, yeah, Bill, I, I don't see any reason to not think that the Bearcats do what the Bearcats do this year. Can you throw out one or two teams Bearcat fans should watch for outside of the conference of, okay, we could see them a little bit down the line? Outside of the conference? Yep. Um, I think there's, I mean, obviously, you know, Nova Southeastern uh, looked really good. Their offense is is really good again, and uh, I would have loved to see that matchup last year, but they, they were kind of upset in the first round of the Elite Eight. Uh, I think Lincoln Memorial is very deep. I think they're Elite Eight bound this year. They have a lot of returners. They, you know, they, they're playing the first night they set every, um, not every, but almost every single game small college basketball tournament record. Like it was the most remarkable, complete game I've seen in a long time, just firing on all cylinders the way they did. And, um, you know, and they hit a speed bump the next night, but playing two games in a, in a row that closely, that, that's difficult this time of year when you're not really ready. But I think um, those are two teams to watch. And, and you know, the, you always have the regulars. Even though West Texas A&M started uh, 0-2, you know Coach Tom Brown is going to get them back there, and he, he's going to get them in the tournament. I think they're ones to watch. And, um, you know, there's some under-the-radar teams that are familiar to Bearcats fans because Point Loma looks really good this year, and I wasn't – too high on them i wasn't too low on them i'm never too low on them but they look a lot better than i thought they would and that's a team uh you know what was that 2019 i think that that, mm-hmm. that was the 2019 championship so there, there's another team to throw in the mix but you know this time of year it's it's pretty much your uh your standard the, the regulars the guys that you, you're used to seeing in the elite eight in the championship game but uh those are just a few names to watch We've been spoiled with such great tournament runs and, of course, non-conference games scheduled by Coach Mack that we've seen so many different 
teams, styles, athletes. It's, it's been a lot of fun and looking forward to hopefully another deep run this March, but that is still a long way off. Uh, Northwest Missouri State fans can get out and see the Bearcats at home for the first time against Truman State coming up this Sunday. Also, Wayne, before we let you go, we know we're kind of getting into uh, postseason play for volleyball as well. Northwest Missouri State back in the NCAA Central Region Tournament. The four seed taking on the five seed St. Cloud State in Wayne, Nebraska coming up on Friday. Of course, Wayne State, uh, the number one seed in that particular region. And uh, Concordia St. Paul's been terrific all year. But when you kind of look at this, is there a path there for Northwest Missouri State to weave their way through with, I mean, they've got a couple All-Americans on the roster already. Oh, yeah, I definitely think so. I, I like, you know what I like about the, the Northwest uh, women's volleyball story is that, you know, they kind of came out of nowhere last year. Uh, and what was it, their first appearance in a decade, I believe. It was, it was a while. And they kind of, they, they said, hey, we're not going to wait that long to return again. And, and, they, and they delivered, you know, they came out um, and they looked really good this whole season. Um, of course, like you mentioned, this part of the bracket, I mean, it's, it's, you're looking at heavyweights when you when you're here. You know, Nebraska Kearney was there just in the championship just a few years ago. Concordia St. Paul is the nine-time champion. Um, Washburn was there just a year ago. So it doesn't really matter. This is the part of the bracket, and this is what I say every year. It doesn't matter what seed you are. You're you, you really are a whole bunch of number one and two seeds in this part of the bracket, and Bearcats included. You, the level of play in this region, um, it, it is the benchmark. It is the standard. Um, like I said, Concordia St. Paul has won nine titles, you know, <laughs> recently. So, um, really, the, 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 the depth of teams in, the, in this uh, part of the bracket, it, it's, there's no easy matchup. It doesn't matter if it's a four versus a five. It doesn't matter if, you know, the, the number seven seed wins and you think you have an easy game because they're the seven seed. It just doesn't work that way in this part of the bracket. But that being said, there's clearly a path there for the Bearcats because everyone's kind of on on that level. It's elite play, and it's it's a really fun part of the bracket to watch. Seven of the eight teams in the region within the top 15 of the AVCA poll. <laughs> and I should correct myself, a trio of All-Americans, Alyssa Rezjoc, Peyton Kirchhofer, and Hallie Sidney have all been All-Americans. They're on this Northwest team right now. So it'll be fun to watch. The Bearcats can get through the region, like you said. All bets are off once you reach the Elite Eight at this point. So, Wayne, always great to talk with you. Appreciate the time. We should do it more often. Yeah, yeah. It seems like the Bearcats give us plenty of opportunity to do so, but I always <laughs> always like talking to you, and uh, thanks again for having me on. All right, one last one real quick. Since we're going into the offseason Major League Baseball, who are the Braves going to sign or trade for? Man, I don't know. Uh, you know, Dansby Swanson is, is the big story, and that's kind of who you want to go back to, but – um, you know, obviously they made the qualifying offer, so if he doesn't come back, it, the big signing is going to be a shortstop. And then when you get to that market, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I got too much football and basketball in the mind to think about how much money they're going to have to spend to get a shortstop in here. Ooh, Dansby would look awfully good in uh, St. Louis Cardinal Red. That's all I'm saying. Oh, no, that would hurt. That would hurt. Would. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, thanks so much for the time. Have a good evening, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. You too. That's Wayne Cavati joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. He writes for Turner Sports on NCAA.com. Does a great job of covering Division II athletics, so go to the website, check out all of his work there. You can also find him on Twitter at WayneCavati underscore D2. That's going to wrap things up for this edition of Bearcat Rewind. Thank you for tuning in for the podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, Clorinda Regional Health Center and the Northwest Foundation. 
I'm Matt Tritton. We'll talk to you again next time.